Good morning. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you knowing that when your word is opened, life change happens. Lord, help us to be a people that doesn't just hear the word, hear things that we're called to be, called to do, and walk away. Help us not to be knowledge this morning as we talk about faith, but, but push us on to obedience, to following you, not just here on Sunday morning, gathering together, but, but in everything that we do. When we're, when we're struggling with something at home or when we're struggling in our job or we're, when we're struggling at school or we're struggling with a friend or we're struggling just in general. God, help us to rely on the faith that's described as we read your word today in the book of Hebrews. God, show us through your Holy Spirit the response we are to have in obedience to you. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight, and I'd like to welcome you here this morning. This is the post-Labor Day haze. That's what I'm going to call it. So everyone this weekend's like, oh, I don't get Monday off? Everyone's sad. So I was kind of sad, but then I realized, it was like, my son's starting preschool this week. My daughter started school a few weeks ago. It's just we're now back in the rhythm. You know, everyone's back in a rhythm now. So this morning, we are going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 don't worry, I'm not preaching the whole chapter. I'd really love to, but that might be a whole series someday. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. If you have our app, you can click the link at the top, and that'll go directly to Hebrews chapter 11 and our YouVersion uh, event. This series we're starting today is called Circles. We're going to be in this series for 10 weeks, so it's very important that you understand that 10 weeks seems like a long time, but by the end you're going to forget how long it was because we're just going to have a ton of fun in this series. And so we're going to look at our personal circles, our individual circles, which is like your family, your, maybe your job or school, if you're going to school or you're working, or maybe your community circle. And that's how we're going to apply the Word of God every week in those three areas. And so we're launching something this week that is very different in some ways, but also the same. We are going to have sunlight circles meeting during the week. We have circles available from Sunday through Friday, every night of the week. So if you have a night, you have an opportunity to come to a circle this week. It's in your bulletin. There, there might be one that's not in there. So you just ask the office and say, hey, I want to come on this other night. Or here's the thing. In the past, everyone here that has attended Sunlight for a long time. We've done signups for things. If you've attended church for a long time, we've done signups. Just show up. We're going to be hospitable, and we're going to find out the first week. If my group has 50 people, I'm sending them somewhere else, though, okay? Just so we know. That was Friendsgiving last year. We did Friendsgiving at my house, and it was too many people. At least according to my wife, not to me. I thought 50 people, you know, we've got a back deck. We can fit them out there, I guess, you know? So today we're going to talk about how to live out faith in our circles. We're going to answer the question, what does it mean to live out blank every week? And this week is faith. So what's, what's the fill in the blank? Faith. How are we going to live out faith in our circles? What does it look like to have faith in your family? What does it look like to have faith at school or at work in those circles? What does it look like to have faith in the community? You ever overhear a conversation and you know you should say something but you don't? What does it look like to live that out? 
And so that's the question we're going to be answering. So that's why I'm calling this message faith in all things, because it's really all areas of our life that we're trying to have faith in. And so the word faith, though, faith is a word just thrown out often by people. I don't understand. I used to watch football a lot more than I do now, but Browns fans, you got to be pretty faithful, okay? I don't think they're going to win anything ever. I'm not, if there's any Browns fans in the house, I'm going to be praying for you this week. Just come up afterwards. I need your name so I can pray specifically for your soul. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, see, I knew someone knew something. People lose faith in something every day, though. You lose faith that God's going to provide. You lose faith that you're going to graduate. You lose faith that you're going to still have a job. You lose faith that you're ever going to reconcile your relationship with a sibling. You lose faith that you're ever going to talk to your parents again. You lose faith in something. So people lose faith because their faith is in something, but not the someone that is assured. And so faith is assured. Oh, is there, oh I thought you guys were Browns fans coming at me. I was, I'm a little on the defensive now. Sorry, Browns fans. I didn't mean that the way it sounded. So faith is assured. Unlike, and this is for my team too, my football team. So unlike your favorite sports team winning. Like faith is assured. We're going we're gonna to find out. Your favorite sports team might not win. Faith is with conviction. Stronger than any other conviction in your life. You may feel conviction about something, like you need, to, you need to rub it in someone's face that they're wrong. That's not the conviction we're talking about here. We're talking about conviction that compels you with everything that you are to follow. Faith is in someone greater than all of us. Faith has to be. If you want a definition of faith, you don't need to look any further than Hebrews chapter 11. And if you turn with me there, to the first three verses. I want to read the first three verses to you because I read this years ago when I was in high school and I asked God a simple question. God, explain to me how my faith is assured. I don't get it yet. And maybe some of you don't get it yet. That's okay. So You're somewhere along the line. If you're here today, you're at least curious about faith. You're curious about God. So let me read these first three verses. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We all hope for something, right? The conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what was seen was made Made, not made out of things that are visible. If we break down these three verses alone, we could have a lifetime of opportunity describing what faith is and how to live out faith, specifically faith in Jesus. John chapter 1 describes that Jesus is the Word. So it's saying here that Jesus created the universe. Think about that for a second. That's a that's pretty, pretty big deal. But we're going to actually look at the entire chapter. And we're going to look at some things in the entire chapter, and we're going to kind of go through. There's a few verses we'll cover. So assurance is a word to describe. I know this is basic. I know I'm going to sound, sound pretty dumb here, but knowing for sure, okay? So the assurance of the hope that we have means there's no doubt. 
there's no doubt. Any day do you have some doubt that you might get in a car accident? I mean, someone could rear end you, right? Anyone that's driving? Yeah, a little bit? I see some eyes like, oh, I just got rear-ended recently. You know, you know. Okay, just a little bit. There's a little bit. There is no doubt. When it talks about this assurance, saying there's no doubt, we're assured of the things we hope for if our hope is in Jesus Christ. And it's simple as that. So faith is grounded in this assurance. It's where it finds its roots. If we're not assured of something, it's not going to happen. If I use that word, I mean, that's what's going to happen. Lord willing, of course. But because, because this assurance is so grounded, but we haven't seen it yet, we know the things promised for are still going to happen. So we know the first thing. First thing about faith. Faith starts in the unseen. It has to start in the unseen. It's, it's, it's out of things not made. Faith is not faith if we see it already. It's like this. What color shirt am I wearing? Can we have some people yell out? Since you guys want to yell about the browns, I figure you can yell about this. What color shirt am I wearing? Someone said purple. Someone said blue. I heard a white. Okay, so we all have kind of a different opinion. Well, faith of things not seen is, if, you, if I was standing behind a, a, a black thing, you'd have to say, well, what color shirt am I wearing? And everyone would say different things because I'm behind a black sheet and no one has any idea. But the reality is, faith in God is faith in the unseen, but it's assured. We know about it. It's the conviction of, is the proof of unseen things. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, our conviction comes from what God has done in our life. It doesn't come from something else. If you have faith with conviction, you act on it. This prom- the promises of God that are described here, the assurances that we will have a Savior that's coming back, that created the universe, that coming, He's coming to set things right. Instead of you trying to set things right in whatever area you want to set things right, God is coming to set things right. Can I get a who yeah or something? God's coming to set things right. Yes. Think about that. He's going to liberate us from the death, decay, and destruction in this world and we're going to be with him for eternity. Wow. That is powerful. So how do we live out this faith in our circles, in our family circles? This, this, our school, our work, our community. Let's start with the family circle. Let's think about this. You have family circles. And when I say family circle, think kind of your immediate family. But it, say you have kids and they're grown, that would probably be them too. So, I mean, it's, it's one generation each direction. So we're going to decide to pray with our fa- for our family members with conviction. There's a huge difference when you pray with conviction. You pray because you genuinely desire God's best for them. You don't say... I'm going to wait to pray for you. You passionately pray in the moment, not waiting for a better time to pray. You don't wait for a better time. There is no better time, but right now, because you have faith, you don't wait. Then also, you place your faith in encouraging your family that God will come through on his promises. There was a movie I watched a long time ago called Cinderella Man. And it was about a boxer that was kind of down on his luck. And there's this one scene where they have two pieces of ham, and that's all they got left in their house. And he's got to go do a boxing match, so he needs energy, right? And he gives the ham to his kids and says, I'm going to be okay. 
Think about it. He had faith in that moment. Maybe he didn't have faith in God, but he had faith in that moment that, that somehow, in some way, there was going to be provision in his life. Do we live like that? Do we read the word of God together? Do we actually open the word of God? Do we spend 10 minutes, five minutes, read a verse, sit down with our spouses, sit down with someone from school and read in the morning, get to school 15 minutes early, go to work and realize there's other believers at work and they may go to another church. They may not even go to church, but they say they're believers. So why don't you just read with them? Do we read the word of God together? And then your work or school circle looks a little different. When you're in school or you're in work, it's, it's a little bit different, right? You want to be careful. Is that, that's the word I hear constantly. I want to be careful on how I, I interact with my faith at work. This is what, what you want to be. You want to become, become, becoming the person that is a living statement. I believe these assurances. What God has assured me, he told me he was going to do, he will do. That's how you live. It's a, it's a, a total life thing. I believe that God is going to come through. I believe that God is going to do this. Here's the thing, though. Be gentle and respectful. Have any of you ever had a conversation with someone which you know you're right, but they kind of butt in, it's in public, and you're so, they butt in and they say, well, no, this is really how it is, and you know they're wrong because you already Googled it, right? Okay? We all know that we Google stuff. And they're not being very respectful. They're just telling you you're wrong. You ever wonder how we come across, we believers come across to other people? Be gentle and respectful. If someone disagrees with you, let them. It's not the end of the world. We're not the ones that have to make other people think a certain way. We are the ones that have to be willing to share our faith and actually say something that's what 1 Peter 3.15 tells us. Listen first, but don't be afraid to share. As simple as that. I don't know how many times my wife tells me, I, I do this, I don't know what it is, but I'm at a grocery store or I'm at Aldi or something, some, and someone tells me this long story about their life in the checkout line or as we're going to get something or I'm with my kids and they're like, oh, your kids are cute. And next thing I know, I know their whole life. And she's like, you talk too much. How does this ever happen? I just start listening. And then people ask me, sometimes they don't. People ask me, they ask me a question about myself. And then there's this opening to say whatever I want because I just heard their life story. Listen first. Actively listen. Don't be afraid to share, but just don't argue with people. It's, it's very simple. So, your faith in the community. Living out your faith by serving others. The community circle looks a little different because we're talking broad circle. This is someone that maybe you don't see very often. Maybe you go to the same place for lunch once a week. Maybe it's someone that you see occasionally once a month. This is your community circle. Live out your faith by serving others. Actively looking to meet others' needs and even strangers' needs. Think about it. If you hear of a need, isn't that our responsibility a little bit to try to see if we can help? And maybe we can't. So for all the circles, we have to remember one question. I'm, I'm going to have it up here. This question is very important. How will others hear if you do not tell them? How will others hear if you don't tell them? 
Anyone got an answer? No? no. So, so expose others to the truth of the gospel and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. If you don't say anything, they're not going to hear anything. I know we don't want to say things because we're afraid. I'm afraid sometimes, like, man, this person's, they dropped the F-bomb six times in this conversation. I don't know if they really are going to receive this, but I'm going to say something. We got to think about this. If we're exposing others to the truth of the gospel, the Holy Spirit's going to do the rest. It's not our responsibility to make them think like we think. That was only from the first verse, guys. The first verse about faith. That's the first verse. You can spend a lifetime trying to live out your faith and never reach where you want to be, but that shouldn't stop us from taking little steps. One of the things I've had to learn this summer is you take incremental steps and you focus on those incremental steps, you actually start getting somewhere. But if you focus on your end goal that is so distant and so hard and has no possibility of happening right now, it just leads to depression. It leads to not doing what we just needed to do in that one moment. So verse 2 tells us clearly that the Old Testament men and women of faith were spoken well of by God because of the faith they had in the Savior, the liberator, the one that was coming to make things right. And then verse 3 is steeped in this deep understanding about God because the word of God is Jesus. He created the universe. It didn't just happen. You know what's interesting? I've had a lot of people talk to me about creation, evolution, and they always use the term the Big Bang. Well, have you ever wondered that God created something out of nothing? So maybe he did that. And he's still creating because he's the creator God. It's so simple. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make it. He is the creator of the universe. He created something out of nothing. That's what Genesis tells us. So we have faith that starts in the creator. We have faith that starts in the unseen. We have faith that starts through the creator. If, if we don't have faith in Jesus Christ, it comes through the creator that created from the unseen world. So how can we live out this faith in our circles? We can see someone else's heart, or we can't see. We can't see. Oh, we can see. That would be a problem. We can't see someone else's heart, intentions, and motives. You know, the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life is where I started trying to think through and thought I knew what someone else's motives about something was. Any of you ever do that with your kids? Maybe with your friends? Maybe with someone you work with? We can't see someone else's heart, intentions, and motives. We need to give the benefit of the doubt. That is literally the hardest thing to do. Maybe that's the only thing today that you apply from what I've said. Give the benefit of the doubt. Love has faith that others have best, our best interests in mind. And maybe it's what they think our best interests in mind, right? But they still have our best interests in mind. Sometimes our hearts and our emotions deceive us, but have faith that others desire to help. When they say they're trying to help, they're trying to help. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen people say, I was just trying to help. And then the other person is just negative and attacking them. Remember, we need to have faith in Jesus Christ and his provision for us because he's the creator God and he created that other person that's right in front of us in that moment. Let's look further down. So look at verse six. And yes, I'm skipping over all the names because we'd be here for a long time explaining the background. But 
there's some principles we can draw from the rest of this chapter. And so verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I have three really simple, obvious things here. Faith makes it possible to please God. Faith makes it possible. If you don't have faith, it's not possible to please God. If you don't have faith, it's not possible to draw near to him. It's possible to draw near to him because of faith. Faith is rooted in something, and this is very important because I'm going to reiterate this a little bit later. Faith is rooted in the fact that God exists and he rewards those who seek him. And so that's, that's what faith requires, is, is this opportunity, it gives, or it gives us, it not requires, it gives us opportunity to please God, to draw near to God, and that know that he exists, and that he does reward those who seek him. So how do we live out these inner circles? I think this is a little bit different. Faith does not equal belief. Faith does not equal belief. But you have to believe to have faith in God. So there is an opportunity there to have belief. You have to have belief. Everyone has beliefs. I'm going to use quotation mark. Everyone has beliefs, but they're often not rooted in the truth. In our circles, that means at school, at work, in our family, in our community, we're speaking and acting on faith and love. So if faith, without faith, it's not possible to draw near to God, to please God, how are we going to talk to others about that? How are we going to share what God's done in our lives? Everyone has beliefs. This summer, I had a great opportunity to go to a poetry slam in the middle of downtown Chicago with a friend of mine who's a missionary. And when I went with them, I heard some crazy stories. It started with the second poet that was a communist, Okay, that was a little weird. Because when I, when I was a kid, my dad grew up in the Cold War and said, well, these commies, which I didn't realize was communist. But, so the second poet was a communist. The fourth one believed in the Norse god of mischief. Okay, like that's what they had faith in and believed. I couldn't convince them otherwise. I wasn't there to convince them that the Norse god of mischief is not really who you should be worshiping and he's probably the devil in disguise. But I was there. And I was able to talk to him about my faith. And, and you have these opportunities, and they have their beliefs. They're not rooted in truth. We know what truth is. It's in the word of God. But sometimes we're just going to have an opportunity to say, this is what we believe. We have faith. There's a bridge that has to be gapped, and that comes through Jesus Christ. But we just have to, to rest in that. When I was younger, I thought I would have gone into that situation, and all of a sudden, everyone's going to follow Jesus because... I'm all that. The problem is that doesn't allow for the Holy Spirit to do its work. And sometimes the Holy Spirit's work is a little bit slower than we'd like, to, like it to be. So let's, let's read verse 13 through 16. It's going to get us to what I just talked about. 13 through 16 says, Those all died in faith, having received things, the things promised, but not having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they are thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have an opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, 
for he has prepared for them a city. I'm just going to lay this out there, and this might be the most difficult thing I have to say today. Faith is not instantly gratified. It's not instantaneous. It says right there, all these people died. There's a list of people. You really should read through the whole chapter, Hebrews 11. list of people that had faith, that had faith, that had faith. And then it says, faith, they, they didn't have what they wanted, what they were desiring before they died. How many of us in this room do you think God's saying, your reward is when you leave this life. But while you're here, life's going to be difficult. Faith is not instantly gratified. Our assurance comes after death, both spiritual and physical. Our faith is activated, though. That's why we speak of the things that God is doing. We speak of the things we're struggling with. We speak of Jesus Christ. But now we don't receive the most valuable part of our faith until we leave this life. The assurance we have is in the next life. There's no assurance of how you're going to leave this life. Does it say anywhere in scripture, well, you'll leave peacefully? Anywhere? Anyone got a verse? No? If you feel out of place, that's good. It says that we're strangers and exiles. We die being assured of our hope we have in Jesus Christ. If you feel out of place, me too. When I see things that happen in this world, I feel out of place. I think in my head, I'm like, there is no way I would go and I would go do something to hurt other people in the way that I see on the news every day. You're out of place. It means you're longing for heaven and not this world. Those who have faith, this is the closest to hell you're ever going to get. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, this is the closest to hell you're ever going to get because we're not instantly gratified, but our faith is in the internal promises of God. So this is the closest to hell you're ever going to get because guess what? When you're with Jesus, it says very clearly in Revelation, it talks about there's going to be no pain, no more tears. We're going to be worshiping at the feet of Jesus and we're going to be like not thinking about all the stuff that happened our whole life that hurt and the pain. You know, I learned something this week that I found so interesting. The most painful thing that can happen to you is not physical pain. It's emotional pain. Anyone, anyone... Think that makes sense? When someone else hurts you, this relational pain that you have is so much deeper. And so when we have faith in the eternal promises of God, somehow God gives us provision to overcome some of that emotional pain. The promise of God shared in this passage is eternal life in heaven for those that have faith in Jesus. It says here, God is not ashamed to be their God. It's talking about the Old Testament. Because... They desire to be with him. You ever feel undesired? Maybe picked last in sports? Maybe laughed at for some reason? God's saying, I want you. I want you. He's not ashamed. So how do we live this out in our circles? Well, first, your family circle. We don't focus on what has not happened, but what God can do. That's not going to happen. I say this all the time to my kids. That's not going to happen. I want a frozen Go-Gurt. You had seven today. No. You're not having a frozen Go-Gurt. I didn't even know. When I was a kid, they didn't have Go-Gurt. I know, I'm that old. 
We teach our families not to be content with this world. If our satisfaction is found in a toy, a car, a job, we're going to ultimately forget about the ultimate promise of God, the eternal promise. In our school, in our work, we have an opportunity here. When we're not focused on being instantly gratified, and we're focused on the long term, the eternal focus, we encourage others to see situations and circumstances in the long term. You know, it's really easy to be focused on what's right in front of you. Like if one of you were to stand right in front of me, of course I'm going to be talking to you and I'm not going to be talking to you guys, everyone over here. If we encourage others to have an eternal focus, like the only thing you can change is what you're doing. You can't change what the other person's doing. Even though they've hurt you, you're focused on you. That's still having an eternal focus. In our community, it even goes further. I think work in, work in school is kind of hard. But if we go in, into community, and we're actually going to get into that a little bit more um, later in the series. But in community, we empathize with those that are broken, those that are hurting, encouraging others of the faith we have in the eternal promises of God. I have met in my lifetime a lot of people that have been ravaged by drug addiction. And most of the time, there's not much hope. There's not much faith that we can have that things are going to turn around. But we can do exactly what it says here. We can encourage others of the faith that we have in the eternal promises of God. Guess what? In the next life, you're not going to be addicted to drugs if you follow Jesus. Because it's not even going to be in your mind. You're going to be so focused on Jesus in heaven that you're not even going to worry about that. That's not even going to... I don't know if you'll remember it. Hey, I'm not going to... I can only imagine. I'm not going to think of like all the things that are going to happen to him. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I'm pretty sure that we're going to be worshiping Jesus because that's what Revelation tells us. So verse 26 gives us a great encouragement though, and I think we need to go back to what is so encouraging about, uh, about faith. This is talking about Moses, and it says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. This verse is specifically talking about the faith of Moses. And most of us, and I would, I would venture to say, all of us are not going to be Moses. I'm not going to be Moses. But we can have the same mentality with our faith. We can, we can think how Moses is thought here. And so, it's very simple. This is my last point today. Faith believes that Jesus' rewards are greater than the best rewards on earth. And if you forget that, you're going to get lost. Jesus' Jesus's rewards are greater than the best rewards on earth. And I would argue that the whole book of Hebrews, the whole theme is greater because God is saying Jesus is greater than anything that has come before him or will come after him. There's nothing else that matters. You know, when, when you're so singularly focused on Jesus Christ, I'm staring down the center. If I'm so singularly focused right now, I can look at the door handle there and I'm not seeing any of you. And maybe if I was afraid of speaking, I'd be like, I'm going to stare at the door handle. Right? I can get so focused. We need to be so focused on Jesus Christ that we lose sight of the fact 
Oh, you know what? I'm going to get that bonus at work, but I'm going to lie on this report because that's what I was asked to do. Or we're going to, we're going to move aside and say, I need to leave faith out in all of my circles, not one of them. Maybe you came this morning and said, I'm really doing good at my work. I've shared with someone at work. I've, I've read to them the Bible. I'm, I'm doing things there. But you know what? At home, all of my kids are running out the back door. I'm talking metaphorically, but they're just like, I'm done. Your faith is not my faith. Maybe that's the area that you're struggling in. Or maybe it's even further. When you're out in the community, you've done something before, and then people afterwards, you say something about you go to church, and they're just like, you go to church? Are you, what? After you do something? Maybe that's the circle that you're struggling with, and you're saying, I can't be on all the time. I can't live my faith out every single day. Well, guess what? We have faith in eternal God that tells us we can because he's got the power, he's got the authority, and he can live and work through us. Not the best car, not the best house, not the best job, not the best money, not the coolest friends, not the best drugs, not the best sex, not the smartest people. That's not going to do anything. Not the greatest power. You know Bill Gates on his deathbed? You know what he's going to say? I regret this, and I regret this, and I regret this. But he has $100 billion. That's great. But he doesn't have a soul. Jesus is greater. So faith that chases Jesus doesn't race after other things. There's so many different things we can race after in this life. And faith is something we don't want to have in other things. It's so easy to get distracted. I get distracted every day. You know, Sunday morning is a great time for me before service because it's, it's like the easiest thing. You can do something really nice and I still am going to get distracted somehow before service. Someone comes up to me with a need and I'm thinking about that before I come up to preach and I get up here and I'm like, God, take it out of my mind because I need to focus on what your word says. We can easily get distracted, but don't forget good or bad, that is something that we cannot get distracted from in our faith. We can't get distracted from our faith in Jesus Christ. And think about this. Faith, this faith believes that it is better to be insulted because of your faith than all the treasures that you possibly could have in this world. You could have everything, but it's better to be insulted because of your faith. I read this and I'm so convicted that, that we forget that. That it's better to be insulted because of your faith. You know, in high school, people made fun of me because of my faith. It makes me tear up. But I know that the reward that I'm going to have has nothing to do with today, this morning, has nothing to do with this life, has nothing to do with how God's blessed me with kids, has nothing to do with anything that God's given me right now, but is for the next life because I'm eternally focused. I'm not focused on right now. I'm not going to be instantly gratified because I have faith in Jesus Christ. It's for later. And that's when I read these last two verses. I want to read verse 34 and 35. I read these verses and I want every single person here that's listening to remember these verses. 
Verse 34 and 35. It's talking about men and women that, that serve God. And it says, who through faith conquered kingdoms. This is a Sunday morning, but there are kingdoms in your life that you've partitioned away from God that need to be conquered this morning. There's, there's things right here. It says enforced justice, made sacrifices. So it says obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. I know that's really talking about a physical lion, but let's be honest. There's someone in our life that is like a mouth of a lion trying to eat us. God's ready to stop that. It says here, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Do we forget that that's the faith we have? That's the God we serve? We don't serve any other God. We serve that God. Faith can do those things. Which is why, so what? What does it matter? If you walked in this morning and you're like, he's describing faith and I don't really get it and I'm not, I'm not in for that. Here's why. So what? Faith, our faith starts with the unseen creator. If you don't believe in this unseen creator that created the universe that is continuing to work each and every day that's healing people, that's doing things in our, in our world. It starts with him. And our faith is not instantly gratified. It's eternally focused. Right now, our culture is instantly gratified. You can pick up your phone and binge watch Netflix in like two seconds. I've seen kids that freak out because there's no Wi-Fi. We're instantly gratified, but our faith is the exact opposite. Don't have a cheap faith. Don't be focused on the high of Sunday morning and forget the rest of the week. That's what instant gratification is. But our faith believes in Jesus' rewards that they're greater. They are greater than any other reward in this world. We don't forget that. We don't say, I'm going to race after Jesus at half pace. You know, I've been running a lot lately. And one of the things I started realizing is, when I'm running by myself, you know, I put my headphones in, I start jogging, I don't go very fast. But when I have someone in front of me that's running really fast, I want to beat them, okay? Right? I want to go faster than them. I want to do this. Chase after Jesus. He's the pace setter. He's the one in front of you that you are racing after with all that you have. No matter what happens in this life, you're chasing after him. You're not doing anything else. You're forgetting about the distractions. You're zoned in. You're like, I'm ready to run the race. I'm ready to have faith in the unseen creator God that created the universe, that has prepared a place for me. Don't forget that. He's not leaving you behind. He may be the pace setter, but he's going to stay there right in front of you, ready to go. He's not going faster than you can. Maybe he's going slower than you want, but he's setting the pace. This week, you're going to have an opportunity. Got these little cards. They were in the bulletin. It says, you are invited. It's really simple. 
I'm just going to ask you, invite someone. Maybe it's a stranger. Maybe that's the easiest thing you can do. Sometime when you're in public, you pull it out of your pocket and you say, hey, I want to invite you to my church. I don't know if you go to church. If you go to church, that's great. But here, that's all it is. Maybe that's the easiest way. It's a lot harder to invite your family and friends. So that's why I'm giving you the opportunity. Complete stranger, it's great. Maybe it's someone you've been talking to for weeks that you really feel like this is the time you need to say that. Just do it. It's not gonna hurt anything. Let me, let me pray to close our time. Heavenly Father, help us to have faith just like the things that are listed in Hebrews 11, 33 and 34. Help us to have faith that is stronger. Help us to have faith that, that, that is focused entirely on you and the things that you are doing and have done that our faith would allow us to move in our circles, to see people come to faith. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would convict hearts, that you would lay the groundwork so when we speak, we can be used by you. Let us not forget that our faith is in the eternal God, the creator, the God of the universe that has done everything possible by sending his son to die so we are not doomed to sin and death and destruction and decay, but we can spend life with you, life eternal. Don't let us forget our faith. God, grant us that this morning. We say all this in Jesus' name.